Multiple Myeloma Hub Podcasts. Brought to you by Scientific Education Support. Hello and welcome to the Multiple Myeloma Hub Podcast. Today we'll be hearing from Ellie Muchter of Mayo Clinic, Rochester, US and Suzanne Lynch of Columbia University in New York, US. Hello, I welcome everybody to join our podcast that is focusing on how do we determine best organ response in ill amyloidosis and what progress have we made. My name is Suzanne Lensch. I'm the director of the Multiple Myeloma and Amyloidosis Program here at Columbia University in New York. And I'm joined by my colleague, Dr. Ali Mukta. He's an associate consultant and associate professor of medicine at the Mayo Clinic. Ali, thank you so much for joining me. Um, I think a lot of progress was made over the last years and thanks to your research, which you just presented at the 18th International Workshop um, of Multiple Myeloma, uh, I think we have some news to share. And maybe I go ahead and set the stage um, to really explain why your work is so important. Um, in AL amyloidosis, we not only have one response, we have two responses. We look for the hematologic response and we also look for organ response, which I think is much more important because the patients in AL amyloidosis do not die from an extensive tumor load. They die from organ failure. So that's why I think the hematologic response is just a tool to induce an organ response and ensure that patients live longer. So let me come back. Um, hematologic response in AL amyloidosis is critical to achieve an organ response. It really differs from the response we see in multiple myeloma. Um, you all know that we use free light chains uh, to define response in AL amyloidosis, hematologic response. And we usually use a difference between the involved and the uninvolved light chains. And we determine VGPR as um, difference in those light chains less than four. And also our complete responses with normalization of the free light chains and at best if the difference between those light chains is less than one. So in contrast to the hematologic response, I think we really focus on the organ response also. And the issue with the organ response is that there are really no good response parameters. Um, I did um, started several years ago a clinical trial in which we used um, a monoclonal antibody that breaks down amyloid and the problem what I was facing was really that there were no good response parameter. So for instance, um, a single decrease in the anti p by 30% already kind of, you know, was defined as an organ response. But you can really um, modify organ responses by just giving dexamethasone that leads to volume overload, subsequently an increase in the anti p and it might kind of, you know, show you progression, which is not really true. Or on the other hand, you might give diuretics and that decreases the anti p easily by 30% and you might have a false positive organ response. So a lot of problems associated with our current system in organ responses. And uh, Dr. Mukta really looked uh, for patients in the past and tried to pinpoint a better, I would say, and more um, staging um, system that really differentiates between complete organ response, which we see relatively rarely, and also minor organ responses, that means partial organ responses or very good organ responses. But I think I set the stage really to point out how important it is, um, what Dr. Mukta did. And um, Ellie, would you present you know, some of the data you showed us at the 18th International Myeloma Workshop? 
Right. Thank you very much, Dr. Lynch, for uh, this, uh, um, for inviting me and for this uh, introduction and, and kind words. I think that we are really uh, entering a new phase for, for amyloid, as you mentioned. I mean, uh, hematological response, uh, you know, we are now doing a much better job. And now this is the time to move from hematological response into the organ responses. But we need tools in order to understand how we achieve those organ responses in patients. So um, we launched this international study. It's a multi-center study. It was a very um, large study with a lot of efforts um, uh, put by you know, all investigators. And we tried to understand first, what is the landscape for organ response in, in this disease? Um, uh, um, we looked at three organs that are more easily um, uh, uh, measured for organ response, which are the heart, the kidneys, and the liver. Um, in, um, in the recent symposium, the International Myeloma uh, Workshop, we presented the data for the um, uh, cardiac response and for the renal uh, response. And this is what I uh, hope to uh, present today. Um, so first, you know, we uh, took, just to understand, we were selective in our patient population. Uh, we took patients that were diagnosed from 2010 and 2015. So this is a relatively recent era, but we have enough follow-up data to understand the impact of organ response on uh, survival. Second, we took only patients that achieved any level of um, hematological response. So we um, excluded patients with, uh, who did not achieve any um, hematological response because those patients are extremely unlikely to achieve an organ response. So we were selective with that. And of course, we took patients that were eligible to, uh, for assessment of organ response, either cardiac, renal, or uh, liver responses. And um, this is well-defined in, in, in the amyloid literature. And then we looked at, uh, and, and, and at the um, depth of the, the organ response or what the patients achieved. In, in two ways. First, we looked at the 6, 12, and, uh, six, 12 and 24 months time points. So we uh, tried to be uh, time-based, so we were less biased. Obviously, this is a bit difficult in a retrospective review, but we are able to gather enough information for those time points. And we also tried to assess the uh, the uh, best responses that patients achieve, which is more time-free. I mean, patients we know it's a gradual process. Unlike the hematological response that usually achieved within a few months, organ response, and this is one of the big challenges, is it takes time. And sometimes you don't know um, how long it's gonna take. But if we have some measurements of the response at a fixed time points, and we know if patients reach that uh, uh, desired level of response at a designated time point, that may be a good uh, tool for us to know that the patient is heading in the right direction. And I think this is one of the key messages of this study, that we provide a timeline for organ response. Um, we uh, separated the cardiac and the renal uh, um, uh, responses because it's uh, quite complex, but I would say that there is a lot of similarities uh, between cardiac and renal responses. Yeah, and I think it stems from the, uh, the gradual nature of uh, uh, organ improvement in this disease. And the fact that it really depends on the um, uh, level of organ dysfunction at, this at the time of diagnosis. I think one of the uh, key messages that uh, uh, 
come from this study is that patients that have a significant imprint of their organs, meaning that they are advanced cardiac stage or advanced renal stage, meaning that their uh, organs are extremely dysfunctional or impaired by the amyloid, they are less likely to achieve a very good uh, and deep organ responses. So it means that in order to um, uh, achieve a meaningful organ response, we need to diagnose the patients early. This is another reason why early diagnosis is so important because we have limitations in reversing organ damage. And the more damage there is, the uh, unlikely the patient with our current therapies will be uh, able to achieve an organ response. I think this opens, uh, by the way, uh, 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 the door for new therapies like uh, the monoclonal antibody that you've tested to see, are we able to add to our hematological therapies, therapies that are aimed at the organs in order to further reverse the organ damage? Uh, because many patients are diagnosed late, they have a severe uh, organ dysfunction, and they are unable to uh, reverse the organ, despite a very good response. Hematological response can be great, you know, a CR, MRD negative, but if the organs are uh, just dysfunctional, severely dysfunctional, it is unlikely that we're able to achieve um, good responses. Um, so this is uh, one key message of the study. Uh, the second one is... Um, as time goes by, we see more responses and we see deeper responses. This is very important and this is the gradual nature of um, uh, organ responses in this disease. For example, if you look at the, what is the time, the median time for best cardiac response, this is 12 months. It's a year to achieve the best response. Um, obviously, it takes more time to achieve a complete organ response, complete cardiac response than a partial um, uh, or um, cardiac response. And for the renal, it takes approximately a year and a half to achieve the maximum level of response. So there are some differences in, in the organs. Now, we uh, formulated for both the uh, heart and the kidneys and, and the liver, which wasn't reported, uh, a four level of response that is quite similar to what we do in the hematological response. So there are very um, uh, similarities there. And what we did is um, uh, uh, we defined the uh, uh, complete organ response, either cardiac or renal, by achievement of uh, um, uh, the organ parameter, NT-PER, BNP, or BNP for the heart, and 24-year proteinuria for the kidneys, achievement of uh, what we can uh, conceive as almost a, a near normal or normal um, uh, organ function for proteinuria is 200 milligrams in 24-year collection which is the lower uh, upper limit of normal. And for anti-pro BNP and BNP, it's 350 uh, and uh, 80 um, uh, picogram per ml. So this is the uh, thresholds below them. The patient will be considered to achieve a full organ response, complete organ response. It means that there is no, uh, shouldn't be any symptoms associated with that. And then we define a, a VGPR, a very good partial response and a partial response based on the uh, reductions, um, a percentage reduction, 30% to 60% for PR and uh, greater than 60%, but not meeting the complete organ response for VGPR. And the no response is uh, when the organ um, 
did not achieve uh, a more than 30% reduction in the, in the parameter, which again is 24 urine proteinuria for the renal and anti-pro BNP or BNP for, for the heart. And what we have found for both organs, the deeper the organ response is, uh, the better the outcome. For the heart, it's mostly overall survival because this is what kills the patient, the heart. So the deeper the cardiac response is, the better is the uh, survival of patients, both in the time-based analysis as well as the best response analysis. And same thing for the renal response, but the major outcome that we've measured is the time to uh, dialysis because uh, renal patients less likely to die of the amyloid, but their organ, their kidneys are most likely to impair them and go on dialysis. The deeper the renal response was, the less likely that the patient would have gotten to start on dialysis. And so we have measurements of um, organs um, that allow us over time to understand uh, um, what is the impact on the um, overall survival or the organ survival. And I think that is very important. And that really opens new avenues to improve outcomes in this disease. Because in a matter of fact, you know, if you look at the cardiac, um, best cardiac response, um, a third of patients never achieved a cardiac response. And those people are more likely to die. And a quarter of patients of the renal, um, uh, um, a quarter of the renal patients did not achieve a renal response and they're more likely to come on dialysis. So it's really um, a, a better way to assess um, um, you know, the kinetics of the organs and how we can improve that. And I must say that there is really little literature on organ responses because it's really difficult and it takes a lot of time, but we need to shift from the hematological response, which is very important, but more easily achieved now uh, to understand how can we achieve a better organ responses over time. Yeah, um, Dr. Mukta, excellent. And, and I can only confirm what you said. I struggled really with the organ responses um, as I did my anti-amyloid trial with KILL 101. Um, and it was difficult for me and I didn't feel comfortable very often to just use, you know, one parameter and has, say yes or no. Remember, we just had 30% decrease in anti-proBNP. Was it, yes, it's a response. And we didn't even repeat this, you know, it was not required. So I think your thorough analysis shed some light into really organ response. And what my take home message was absolutely diagnose a patient as early as possible. That gives you the chance really to, I would say, um, contribute to degradation of the existing amyloid and improvement of the organ function and survival subsequently. But I think what was also important, it doesn't make sense to really measure organ response after three months, after four months, if you see it median time is six months. So I would say for the first time, we also have time points, which we should use for clinical trials to look for organ response. You know, and, and I think in my opinion, that should be, you know, as you suggested, six months, 12 months and 24 months. And um, that we also compare different treatment strategies. You know, all the anti-amyloid antibodies, KIL-101, NEO-D001 is right now in clinical trials. Uh, how can we really compare and harmonize the response criteria? So very important that I really have to say, kind of, you know, think that uh, this might just be the beginning of focusing on organ response and Moreover, having data um, 
what hematologic response is needed to induce, for instance, a complete organ response or a very good organ response? Uh, do we need MID negativity to have those deeper responses? So also in the future, we might be able to correlate organ response with hematologic response. Right, That's that will be a very, uh, this is, I, I think, one of the things that we need to look at the correlation between the hematological and the organ response. Obviously, it's quite complex, but I think that we can break it down. I would say, you know, in continuation of what you said, I think this is really the time because until now, we didn't have very good hematological therapies. So the likelihood of achievement of organ responses was also was not very great. Now that we have a much better therapies, we can really more differentiate and discriminate the organ responses. So we have better tools to first compare therapies and to uh, get patients into a better organ responses with new tools that uh, hopefully will come uh, into use. So it's really, you know, came at a time where organ responses are uh, more likely to be seen. Um, uh, hopefully patients will diagnose earlier. So that will be also meaningful for those patients. And with this tool, we can first uh, have the image of what are we able to do in a better way and to look forward to improve those things. And without the organ response, hematological response doesn't matter. Absolutely. And just, you know, before we really um, um, end our podcast, uh, I just want to mention that really the last two uh, reports on the most exciting drugs, you know, data also presented at our workshop in Vienna uh, is still Daratumumab. The Andromeda data are really excellent for the newly diagnosed, but even for the relapsed, you know, we know that 60% of our patients carry a translocation 1114, and those are very, very sensitive to BCL2 inhibitors. So how I see that, I mean, either the patients go into a CR with Daracybor-D and or transplant, but those patients who do not achieve a CR under this treatment, um, they kind of, you know, most likely will respond to Venetoclex. So I would say the very bright uh, future for our amyloid patients, as long as they are diagnosed early enough that the organ damage is not too advanced. Um, and I would say with this, I'm not sure, Dr. Mukta, any final words to conclude our podcast for today? Um, um, I think we already say that, but this is really exciting time for um, uh, for the amyloidosis patients. But I think also there is a good sense of collaboration in the amyloidosis community. I mean, for example, look at this work. This took us over two years, a lot of efforts, a lot of data collection, a lot of analysis, a lot of back and forth, uh, trying to get the best results that are uh, possible with this project. And I think if we didn't have this type of uh, sense of you know community together it's a small community uh, we wouldn't reach that so I think this is a very important those type of collaborations it's a rare disease we need to share our experience we need to share our research in order really to advance and I think this is one good example how people can come together and really uh, you know uh, bring forward the field um, as, a, as a group. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe that's a good time to thank all our collaborators who really supported your research. Uh, again, it's a rare disease, but I think we have a fantastic amyloid community. And with this, I would like to close our podcast. I hope you enjoyed the time listening um, to Dr. Mukta's research. Um, and thank you so much for listening. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Multiple Myeloma Hub podcast. We would also like to thank our supporters, 
Pfizer, Sanofi, AbbVie, Bristol-Myers Squibb, Genentech, GSK, Roche, Amgen, and Oncopeptides. Multiple Myeloma Hub Podcasts, brought to you by Scientific Education Support.